Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Good morning, Antioch Austin. What a pleasure it is to be with you today. Uh, My name is Alicia Hill. I am the women's pastor at Antioch Norman. Um, I am so excited that Liz um, has asked me to share this morning on a few things God has put on my heart concerning our current, um, the current climate of our nation and um, what I believe God is speaking through the book of Esther. Um, Just a little bit about myself. Um, I am from Alabama, so you may hear a little bit of of Southern slang here and there. Um, Born and raised there, um, but I've been in Oklahoma City for the last um, 25 years or so. So um, I'm an Okie. I'm an Okie, so go Sooners, right? Um, This culture, our climate today, we are in a crisis. We are in a crisis. Um, I spoke here at Antioch Norman um, for Mother's Day, and there was a phrase that I used, but I was speaking more toward the pandemic, not necessarily um, what we're going through now. And the, the same title um, hold, renders true even now. Um, there's a word in Japanese um, that, that uh, uh, there's a word in Japanese for the word crisis, and that word is kiki. And Japanese words are pictures, and it's two pictures that make up the word crisis. And the first picture is the word dangerous. And the second picture that make up this word kiki is the word opportunity. And so I believe that when there's a crisis in the land, when I look through the scriptures, I see that there is a dangerous opportunity. And so the, the, the title of my message today is Embrace the Opportunity, Embrace the Chaos. We are living in unstable times. Our culture is in an uproar. We hear terms like pandemic, mandemic, um, race war, black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter. There are protests, there are historical monuments that are being removed from public spaces. Wow, so much going on in 2020, right? The year of vision, that's what we all called it, the year of vision, and here we are, history, as we know it in America, is definitely being rewritten as we speak. The lifestyles we lived before the pandemic may never return. So many people have opinions these days, ideals concerning government, social reform, um, you name it. Who determines what is right anymore? Who has truth? Who determines what's wrong? Many today are living according to their own perspectives, their own convictions, social norms, political parties, um, social media trends, and hate groups. But not so for the body of Christ. Church, in this hour, we are called to lead. We are not called to sit back and watch. The world is asking, where is the leadership Who do we follow? And I think it is our opportune time. We are called to live by the truth of God's kingdom. According to Romans 15, we have been adopted into the kingdom. 
which is governed by an eternal king, Jehovah God. And he rules and reigns yesterday, today, and forevermore. So who is God and what are his attributes? God, the creator of mankind, is often referenced in the Bible as just, holy, pure. So we see that he is a just God. He's a God of justice. He is consistently just. He is consistently pure. And he is consistently holy. It's hard sometimes for us to, com- to um, comprehend in our finite minds just how holy and righteous God really is. Um, because we see in the book of Genesis in 1.26, God said, let us make man in our own image and our own likeness. So guess what? As believers, we are image bearers of God. We are image bearers of a holy God. He is a God of justice, and we are his children, and we're called to be his hands and his feet in the earth. Leviticus 19.15 says, Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. These are scriptures on justice. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, speak up. And I love, I love the fact, let me pause here. I love Proverbs 31. I have three girls ages, from age 17 to 7. And then I have a son that's t- 10 years old. And um, once I, when I got married, the Lord called me to homeschool my kids. And so we, was, we would read through Proverbs 31 all the time because I really wanted my children to understand what it meant to be feminine. And so I was always intrigued that in the midst of the first six verses of Proverbs 31 and then 8 through 31, there's verse, I mean 9 through 31, there's verse 8 where God says in the first half it's young men do this. In the bottom half it's young ladies do this. But right there in the middle he says speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. God is re- God's response to the injustice of our day and the days of old, to the sins of mankind, his response is the very life of Jesus. It is the very story of how Jesus spent his days on the earth. He lived a life of justice, but he died for the guilty. Romans 5.17 says that Jesus gives us the gift of righteousness. He is declared our righteousness. When he rose from the dead, he was declared our righteousness. And if God now declares us righteous and we don't deserve it, then we are compelled to go and seek righteousness and justice for other image bearers. Do you know homeless people are image bearers? Do you know that orphans, they are image bearers? Do you know criminals, murderers, um, pedophilia people? They are all image bearers of a holy God. We are called to live a life full of purpose, right? It is, it is a, living a life of justice is a very radical way to live, and it's not easy. It's making other people's problems my problems. Image bearers. You're having cover, cover, um, trouble with your car? That's my problem. Your family is low and you can't pay your rent? 
That's my problem. Your children need shoes. That's my problem. Loving your Doesn't the scripture tell us to love our neighbors as ourselves? Justice is a call to abandon comfort and to live courageously and selflessly, just as Jesus exemplified in his life. It is pricey. It never partners with fear, but it embraces courage and obedience, forgiveness, hope, newness of life, and faith. I love Psalms 33, 5. It says, the Lord loves righteousness. He loves justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. In Micah 6, 5, he has told you, he has shown you, O mortal, O human being, he has shown us what is good. And what does the Lord require of us? What does he require, require of me, Alicia? But to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with the Lord. That's Micah 6, 8. So I am so excited this morning to share with you how this, how this um, um, chaotic climate has affected me personally. Um, I remember when... Ahmad Arbery was, the video came out of his shooting. And I remember, because I grew up deep south, and it just brought back all of the injustices that I grew up under, that I had to learn how to navigate through, because there was no one defending us. There was no one coming for us. I had to learn um, the way to be accepted in the culture of my day. And I remember um, my husband posted, um, um, a, he posted on Facebook um, a picture of himself in a hoodie, and he was getting ready to go prayer walk, and then he, he all of a sudden recognized that it was dark outside, and he probably shouldn't go outside. And so when, he, I, I, he, when I saw that post, all of a sudden fear, like I've never felt before, gripped my heart, because I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know if I if my husband should have posted that. What does that mean? What are people going to think? Are they going to think we're pushing a black agenda now? Are they going to think we're, um, <clears throat> we're calling people racist? And this fear just rose up in me of like, Lord, I, I, I live through injustice. I live through injustice. My mother used to always say, Alicia, you will go to college and you will get your degree and you will not be stuck here. You will do better than, than we've done. And so, than we've done. And so he, um, my mother was really one of my role, role models in that she always said, whatever I've done, you're going to exceed it 10 times over. And so leaving the South, um, there's more progression. There's more, it's more progressive. There's more opportunities. Um, I've been gone 20-something years, so I'm sure... Um, the, the South has progressed just as much, but in that day, it was really hard. It was really hard to make ends meet. Um, and so here I am, a mother of four, and I'm telling God, I don't want to have this conversation. It's too painful. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to go through this again. I've made it out. And then I, the Lord told me to go read the story of Esther. And when I read the story of Esther, the Lord reminded me, you have a son. You have a little boy. 
that's 11 years old, and if you don't start speaking up to help change, to bring the awareness needed to make the changes for the kingdom of God to advance even further for all people, he was like, you can't be silent anymore, Alicia. You've got to do this. And so I just had to, I had to go through a couple of days of just deep, deep searching and say, Lord, I will be confident in my God above my comfort, because that's what it really was. It was the things that I have, the, the, thing, the, um, the people that I love, didn't want to disturb anything, kind of like Esther. So let's read that story um, in Esther 4, 11 through 17. I'll read it. It says, all the king's servants and the people of the king's princes know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court and without being called, there is one law, Mordecai, I will be put to death except for the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that I may live. But as for me, I have not been summoned to come into the king's court for the last 30 days. I can't do this, Mordecai. And Mordecai said to Esther, verse 12, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than anybody else, Esther. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And then Esther's reply to Mordecai's summon, she says, Go, gather the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast. And then, then, I will go to the king, and though it is against the law, I, if I perish, I perish. And then Mordecai went away and did as Esther had ordained him. I love this story. I love the challenge. Esther is this book where, you know, the, God's name mentioned, isn't mentioned, but he's woven throughout all the scriptures. What, what an amazing chapter of the book to deal with an injustice, a people group, a culture being considered nothing, so much so that you can slaughter them on the streets like chickens. You can cut their heads off. You can, there's a decree. There's no justice for these people. On this day, kill all of them, young and old, children, women, young children, old men, kill them all. So Mordecai is wailing, and he makes his way to the gate of the palace. And Esther sees that Mordecai is out there, and she sends down garments that, of which, to which he refused those garments. He would not take them because he was in such distress. So Esther sends down her, her um, chamberlain, um, his name was Hadok, to go see what's going on with Mordecai. And Mordecai tells Hadok everything that's going on. He even gives Hadok a, 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 a copy of the written decree and say, give this to Esther. Give this to Esther. Um, <clears throat> in Proverbs 31, I mean, I'm sorry, Esther's first response in verse 10 was a response of fear. She felt the obligation 
to obey the laws of the land. She felt the obligation to say, the law says, I can't do this. And in historical times, Mordecai, I don't know if you remember, but when the queen disobeyed Haman, I mean, disobeyed the king, Vashti was removed from her throne. So, you know, I think all of this is going through Esther's head. And she's like, hey, I've, I've had a hard life and I've worked hard for what I have. I don't know if I'm willing to give this up. Obligation to comply with man's law. She didn't want to face the discomfort of non-compliance, of rocking the boat. They probably still spoke of Queen Vashti's removal. And the disdain of that was probably too much for her to bear. She could lose her life. Fear, fitting in, losing everything, being removed from her royal position. Excuses, right? Disqualification. I don't think I have that much influence right now. I'm new, Mordecai, to this way of living. What's happening in the streets? I can't change them anyway. The king has already signed the proclamation. I can't change it. Someone else can do this. If it could be changed, somebody else would have done it already. I don't want to have a bad reputation. And with today's mindset, church, Complicit mindsets think like this. I just want to mind my own business. People, they get what they deserve, and I don't know what to do. What do I do? If I want to help, what do I do? How do I do it? Obligation. Something, the definition of obligation is something by which a person is bound or obliged to do certain things and which arises out of a sense of duty and results from customs or laws. When we see injustices as a, just as a human being, our default response when facing unfamiliar situations is fear and discouragement. The new challenge that we're up against brings about anxiety. Our Our thoughts tend to lean toward, I don't want to, I can't get involved, it's too inconvenient, I have other priorities, and I don't want to offend anyone. But I want to read to you a couple of scriptures where Jesus addresses this very thing. And he said to his disciples in Luke 12, 22, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. So here we see Jesus saying, take no thought for your life. I am the author and the finisher. I have called you. I know the day before you even enter that day, what's, what's planned for your day. Just trust me. And then here's another verse out of Mark 6. It says, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So then, okay, we get to Mordecai. Now, Esther has told Mordecai about the law and how it's not, it's not looking good, Mordecai. It's not looking good. And Mordecai responds 
to Esther, and he, give, he gives her a call of courage. He calls out to her to be courageous. And I, I love how Mordecai said, don't think, Esther, that you will be spared. Don't think that if you decide to sit and watch and not get involved and not put skin in the game in this hour, don't think your family's going to make it out okay. And he said, if you don't want to do it, that's fine, Esther. God's still going to get his purpose done. He'll just use someone else. But I will say this. Who knows if you have not been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this? Who knows if you are not sitting on that board of directors for such a time as this? Who knows if you do not have that position in your company for such a time as this? Who knows if in your community you can, you, your voice could change the injustices on your street. The Bible says open rebuke is better than secret love. And Proverbs 25, 11 says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. I, I mean, I love encouragement. I love um, for people to tell me how uh, God's using me and how um, my life matters and all those things. But I mean, there's something when you have that friend or that mentor that calls, that will call you up higher, that will say, say the hard thing. They're not worried about your feelings anymore. They see the destiny and the purpose of God over your life, and they're going after it. That's what Mordecai did for Esther. He challenged her comfort. It was time. Time, know what time it is. It is time to come out of the shadows. The time of opportunity is here, Esther. You can be used to save a nation. It is now in your hands. There's a reason why this seat has been given to you. Opportunities, Esther, are never for personal gain. It has not been given to you to further your own agenda. God will deliver his people without you. Your obligation, you make the decision whether you're going to be obliged to the law or you're going to see this as an opportunity for God to show himself strong. You have this royal position of honor. And you do not even have the royal bloodline. God gave it to you out of his kindness. He chose you, Esther. He wants to use you. You, the only person that can stop your destiny, Esther, is you. Use your crown. You have a crown. You have authority. Use what you have. It's for the deliverance of your people. Use your crown. In our, in our day, our crowns could be wealth. It could be wisdom. It could be gifts. It could be associations, platforms. Use what you have. It's not for selfish gain. So the question I had to myself, okay, God, you want me to speak. I don't care for the microphone, but you want me to speak. What do you want me to say? How can I use my voice to further God's kingdom? I've once heard it said that you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. We can't take anything in this life with us. So the fear of losing things, losing relationships, losing 
those things, they fail in comparison to the promises of God and the things on his heart for his people. The Bible says in Luke 17, whosoever seeks to save his life, you will lose it. And whosoever loses his life will preserve it. Christ says, yes, my life is on the line. Opportunity, amen. My surrender could save an entire nation. So then we move on to Esther's second response, where now we see that she's going to embrace Mordecai's word was so piercing. I love that scripture that says in in, um, Hebrews, the word of God is quick and powerful and is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it can divide between joint and marrow, thoughts and intents of the heart. I believe when Mordecai spoke that word, it, it brought a divide And it showed Esther, either you're going to go left or right. There's no gray area anymore. Second Timothy 1, 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. It's not about me. God has favored me to be a part of something big. So Esther's going in to pray now. And I can just hear her thoughts. You know something? It's not about me. I'm not a, I've got to see the bigger picture. I've got to see that this, this decree said that they're going to kill the children and the women, young and old. That's a major genocide coming our way. And I am the only one in the kingdom that has influence right now to say something. So Esther joins the lamenting of her people. She needs God's perspective. She wrestled with worldly cares in prayer. She wrestled. She wrestled with, why am I here? She wrestled in prayer. She wrestled with, what is God's requirement of me in this place that I am standing? Body of Christ, it's time to pray. It's time to come out of the shadows. It will cost you something, but nothing in the kingdom has ever been free. It's time for us to stand up and take our place and no longer sit around and saying, what am I supposed to be doing? You find the answers to those questions in prayer. Prayer is where we receive the power to face the challenges of life. It's where passion connects with purpose and where confidence enters our heart and changes, strangles. It actually strangles every apprehension that will cause us to pull back or to be silent. A confident scripture that I love is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do we believe that? Do we believe if God has put us in a position where we heard um, a conversation that was not just and we have the ability to make it right, do we trust that in him we can do all things? Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy to be compared, are not worthy comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There is a glory that God wants to reveal. But if we're so concerned about this current present suffering, this current present pleasant, I'm sorry, present trial, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss this amazing opportunity. We cannot be afraid. 
So Esther goes and she prays and she fasts and her maidens are praying and fasting with her. And the Bible says after three days, Esther rose up. I want to pause right there. She rose up. And to rise up means whatever was holding me down is holding me down no more. She rose up and she dressed in her royal robes. She had a perspective shift. She recognized that her people were created in the image of God and they had purposes to be fulfilled. Her purpose was now her passion. Her promotion wasn't for her anymore. It was for God's people. She was a queen. She did have authority. She did have favor. She was a priest, a child of the Most High. She had a platform. She was a change agent, and she was chosen, not because of who she was, but because of who he is. The thought of failing had lost its power. She accepted her destiny. There are things that are holding us back that will only be broken in prayer. We can talk to our friends about it. We can, we can sip tea and, and coffee and, and talk about all the different angles of the current conversation. But at the end of the day, if we're spending more time talking than we are on our faces before God, we're going to miss it and we're going to do nothing. Church, let's, Esther rose up and put on her garments. It's time for the church to rise up, put on your garments, make the decision. It starts in our hearts. Come out of comfort, out of hiding, endure the hard conversations, challenge the mentalities of this culture, rise up and use your influence to shift the narratives in your workplace, in your family, in your church, in your communities. We must be silent no more. And I'll close with this because I love the fact that Esther saw chaos as an opportunity. None of, us, none of us are perfect, and we all go through um, moments of being afraid, but that being afraid does not mean we have to walk or be, be cloaked in fear. Um, I love a quote um, by Martin Luther King. It says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And he says, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. We all need to use our voices. In the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but we will remember the silence of our friends. Another Martin Luther King quote. And Isaiah 42.3, as I close, says, A bruised reed will he not break and a smoldering wick will he not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He, he will not falter or be discouraged till he sees justice on the earth. I believe we are in an Esther moment. I believe the world is, is so dark, is getting darker by the moment. And we, the church, are the light of the world. We cannot put our lights under bushels anymore and say, and stay within the four walls of our buildings. Our cities are crying out. Our nation is crying out. Let's be the church. Let's embrace the chaos. Let's see it as an opportunity. 
and let's get skin in the game. I would love to pray us out. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, right now for everyone under the sound of my voice that heard this message. I thank you, Holy Spirit, Father, that you love each and every person, that we are all image bearers. And God, we repent for the times where we've looked at someone with disdain, or we've looked at them and and devalued the person as a human being. Father, give us your heart for the orphans, for the widows, for those that are in DHS custody, God. Lord, may we not forget the prisoners, Father, who are behind bars. Father, Jesus went about daily going to the orphans, talking with the Samaritans, embracing race conversations between Samaritans and Jews. Father, he told stories about Levites and priests who walked past people in need, and it was a good Samaritan that came to the aid of a hurting person. Father, may the mantle of good Samaritans fall upon the house of Antioch Austin. May it fall upon the Antioch movement, God. May we be your hands and your feet to a world that's saying, who's who's living truth? What does it look like? And how do I be a part of it? Father, we will be silent no more. In Jesus' name, amen.